0: And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a federal law enforcement officer. He was ambushed and shot multiple times while grocery shopping just because he's wearing a shirt identifying himself as a law enforcement officer. He's here to tell us about the story and his miraculous recovery. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help For Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help For Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers. At the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center, call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling us from Northeast Florida We have Drew Stokes on the phone. Drew is a federal agent. Thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Show. Very much appreciated.
1: Jay, thank you very much for having me.
0: It is a pleasure. It's an honor. And I'll be honest with you, and folks, you'll understand why I say this in a few moments. It's a miracle. It's a big deal that Drew is here to tell his story. Before we go into that, I don't know Drew, but I feel like I do. A very good friend of mine, and I remember when this happened, but a very good friend of mine I've known for almost 25 years named Dave. used to work with Drew, the same agency. And when I found out about Drew being shot, I called Dave and I said, is this guy okay? He was like, it's touch and go. We don't know if he's going to make it. Uh, and it was that severe. And I remember vividly when this happened. And I'm so glad you survived.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Jay. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the kind words.
0: You know, there's really no other way to say it, but it's, it, it kind of sounds weird when you say, I'm glad you survived, because the reality is, I don't know what are the right words to say.
1: Uh, you know, there are no right words in this situation. My, uh, my situation was catastrophic, and uh, the only thing I can tell you is that the, uh, the good Lord put the right people in the right place that day to help save my life.
0: And literally that's what happened uh, might as well get right to the chase let's talk about what happened uh, what you were doing because this is so out in left field no one
1: expected right so um, uh, it was September 26th 2017 uh, I was at Publix shopping and uh, the reason why I was shopping was I was doing an administrative task for work I work in aviation and we were going to be flying to Puerto Rico to take up uh, it was right after Hurricane Maria had just destroyed the place and we were flying down to Puerto Rico to bring uh, to bring supplies down, and we were actually taking agency employees off the island with us back uh, to Jacksonville. And uh, during that time, I'd already went once, and we had seen a, a family, had a family in the airplane, uh, was a, a young girl, maybe five, six, seven years old, and her grandmother, and we were bringing them back one night. It was right after the hurricane hit. And you could tell that they were scared uh, in the back of the airplane. They didn't speak English very well. The airplane is, a, you know, it's a 50-technology airplane. It was dark, cold. Uh, there's no windows in the airplane at all, and it's very loud. We realized that they needed something to eat, some food, so we gave them hours. And then that way, they could get something to eat. We offered them our beds. Uh, we have four beds in the back of the airplane. We offered them uh, our sleeping area so they could sleep for the four-hour ride back to Jacksonville. On September 27th, I was scheduled to Fly September 27th, 2017, back to Puerto Rico. So I went to Publix to go and, uh, and shop for my trip for the next day. Uh, basically, stuff we could cook on the airplane. You know, I had some, some fish, and then we had some stuff to drink, like orange juice in case we had kids, like coffee creamer, uh, all kinds of things. We have an electric skillet. We can, we can cook just about anything on board the aircraft. So on that day, um, I, they, they told me to go get some lunch, uh, so I went uh, to grab— uh, the food, and then I was going to bring it back to back to the office. Uh, when I was leaving out of the front of the grocery store, I was walking down. And if you know how a, a public is, they, got, they have uh, doors on each side, and usually there's a in the middle. It's kind of closed off. So, but in the middle is usually where the middle parking spaces are. So, I was walking uh, down the one way through the parking stalls. Uh, so, all the traffic should have been coming towards me. So, and I was walking towards my truck. About uh, the time I get to uh, the handicapped parking spaces from behind my right side, I, I, hear, uh, I hear a scream of, I f- hey hate cops. Uh, it's, it's just a blood-curdling scream. Uh, I dropped my groceries, and at that time, I, I, I put my hand on my, on my weapon, which I was wearing a uh, shoulder holster at the time, which I'll never wear again. When I got my hand on my gun is when the first shot hit me uh, in between uh, my ribs right under my right arm. Uh, second shot hit me in my, my buttocks, my right buttock, as I was turning towards the shooter. Third shot hit me in the top of my left leg. Fourth shot hit me in the in my left leg and went in and out. And then the fifth shot went through my arm, in and out. So he shot me as I was falling to the ground. Uh, all five shots were probably a second to a second and a half, somewhere around there.
0: And this is just totally out of the blue. By the way, for those outside of the Florida area, Publix is a grocery store, and it's a, a very heavily traveled, very popular grocery store. There's usually lots and lots of people and they big shopping centers. So this was not some sort of isolated place where the attack occurred.
1: That's correct and, it was, and it's in a nice area of Jacksonville as well. Very low crime, you know, lots of uh, large master plan communities, golf course communities. Uh, it, just, uh, it, was, it was a total shock to everyone.
0: So Drew, were you in uniform when you were shopping at the grocery store?
1: I was, uh, I was in uniform. And uh, I had an agency identifying uh, lettering on my back.
0: And you said that you were wearing your service weapon in a shoulder holster. That is correct. So it's obviously not a situation that any law enforcement officer be going into thinking, hey, that, that this could be a potentially bad situation. You're just going to pick up some groceries, which, by the way, I never thought. When you guys fly these, these planes and you're gone, you're in the air for a long time, it's not like you can pull into McDonald's. You've got to bring your food or you're going to go hungry.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And our airplane, uh, we have the capability of flying to 10 to 12 hours at a time with fuel. So, in this particular case, uh we were flying down to Puerto Rico, so we had we carry enough fuel to come back as well uh so it was a four four and a half hour flight, then usually an hour hour and a half on the ground, and a four four and a half hour flight back so these were these were pretty long days,
0: but there was nothing about this incident that would lead anyone to believe that hey other than just getting groceries, I don't need to be on guard
1: that's correct yeah it was uh it was a total ambush uh out of the blue no, nobody nobody saw this coming at all just total random act of violence
0: so this guy pulled up in a vehicle behind you started screaming and opened fire almost simultaneously
1: that's correct yeah as soon as the words quit coming out of his mouth uh i i knew i never even turned and looked at him i knew there was going to be violence against a police officer of some sort uh but but my reaction react, is always quicker than reaction as we always know and uh so i was just trying to get my gun out and then i was going to identify my target uh but it was just it happened so fast i saw the last couple shots come out of the gun and the only thing i could the impact was so massive uh there was no way for me to return fire uh, because i was falling at the same time so uh, the only thing i could do was brace for impact and then complete the my uh my draw once i got on the ground
0: i can't begin to imagine what was going through your mind and for, the, for people listening who don't understand, when really bad situations happen, at least in my experience, when it, when people open fire on you, you really don't have a lot of time to think. You almost just revert back to your training and instincts. And it takes a while to decide, late, to decipher later on why you did what you did. But there's really no training that can be done out there to prevent something like this or even to be prepared for something like this.
1: Right. Well, the, the preparation for this starts – uh, in your training. Uh, it has to start years before it and you have to have the mindset for it. Uh, luckily for my agency I instruct in uh, survival and i would actually just taken a survival course about six weeks before. So you, as a law enforcement officer we have to be mentally prepared at all times that this may happen. Uh, I got, I drew, you know, my day came September 26, 2017 and when I got down on the ground, once I finished falling and completed my draw, I immediately started searching for targets because I thought the guy was going to come back and get me. Absolutely. And it and and it was it was automatic. I never even had to think about it. Uh, I had I had my gun out. I had all the slack out of the trigger. And then I saw I saw feet coming towards me. There was a white F one fifty in front of me, and I saw the feet coming towards me. And and I thought it was a shooter. I had already made the decision I was going to kill that person uh, because I was convinced it was a shooter. I rotated my body. I want to say I got all the way around the back, but I probably didn't uh, in reality. Uh, but the person who came around the, the truck was actually a civilian that was coming around to help me. It wasn't the shooter, and I recognized that. Uh, I had a target, but I identified it as, as, as a good guy, basically, uh, I was in an open field, and if I was going to send the bullet, where was I going to send it? So uh, it was actually – all those thoughts actually went through my head in a split second, and I decided not to pull the trigger.
0: We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Drew Stokes. Uh, he was ambushed and shot in uniform simply for being a cop. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have accessed a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Return to our conversation with Drew Stokes. Drew uh, is a law enforcement officer for a federal agency. He was ambushed and shot multiple times at a grocery store simply for being a cop. Uh, Drew, winter break, you're talking about this guy unloaded on you. Uh, he screamed some profanity and that he hates police, hates cops, and opened fire. You never met the guy, didn't know him, had no interactions with him, I assume.
1: That's correct. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. It turned out to be a kid uh, that lived in my neighborhood.
0: About how, how old was he when this happened?
1: He was 18.
0: That's it. And a lot of a reason I bring that up is people go, his kid's just a teenager. And then they show a picture in the news of him in his you know, eighth grade graduation or confirmation photo or something else when he's really angelic. An 18-year-old person can end your life. And that's really, you came very, very close to being killed that day.
1: Right. I actually, was, I was actually, I actually went into cardiac arrest, and they had to bring me back twice uh, during the process. So, yeah, it was, a, it was 18 and three days old.
0: How old were you when you were shot?
1: 43
0: which is still incredibly young. Uh, yeah. and
1: But I remember
0: vividly, that phone call I said earlier in the show when I talked to my friend Dave, who, who, who since retired worked with you, and he's like, I, we don't know if he's gonna make it. And when the 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 shooting occurred, they didn't really know that much, it's just this guy got ambushed in a grocery store parking lot, and that's all we know.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, uh, so luckily the Clay County Sheriff got there, uh, Deputy Hawkins, uh he showed up uh he was able to, to to get me a little bit more calm uh i was able to to before that i was able to tell the folks around me to call 911 tell them officer down i was able to tell them to call the command duty officer i gave them the full number and the person who was on duty that day uh and then i started directing traffic uh, i i told them I, I told them to keep the blood in the container keep the blood in the container keep the blood in the container container's me because uh, so there was sh there was a huge river of blood running beside me and i i knew i knew i was in trouble uh, and I, I told myself to wiggle my toes because I, I needed to to set small goals at that point. And, and again, I'd, I'd been trained for this, you know, since I've become a law enforcement officer, even all the way back to when I was in the Coast Guard. And uh, so I told them to keep the blood in the container, the, the, it, and I'm the container. So they started plugging holes. Uh, as Jake, uh, and, uh, Jake and the rest of the Clay County guys get there, uh, they start – Jake does an assessment on me. And the uh, first thing he does is, like, he, he leans over and says, bro, i got to put a tourniquet on that left leg. And, uh, again, we did tourniquet training uh, in our survival courses, so I knew what it was going to feel like. And that's something where we really excel is we do this training and we make guys do it right, and that's, a, that's super important. Uh, then they put another tourniquet on my left arm. So at this point I had uh, seven bullet holes, including the in-and-outs, and two tourniquets. And then after that, Jake actually stuck his his right index finger into my rib cage to stop the bleeding from there uh at that, at this point I, I was in a significant amount of pain and i had i had had enough
0: i can't even begin to imagine and and to be honest with you drew i have no idea what to say for, for what you went through and there's a lot more than a story about your recuperation obviously which right. we'll get to but the other part is responding officer to ha- to be confronted with someone none of us are 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 strangers to people who have been shot. I hate to say that. And they are still alive. And I've been scenes where many have taken their last breath. But to have another law enforcement officer, it doesn't matter whether they knew or not, and had their presence of mind to stick my finger in a bullet wound to try to stop the bleeding, I don't know how he dealt with that then and after.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. Uh, he, he had done some medic training uh, through the county and through the Florida SWAT Association, so he was he was mentally prepared and actually he had just had a refresher course the previous month as well uh so he was able to uh he was able to stay calm and and stay focused and and, and he made all the right decisions he put an occlusive dressing over the hole in my uh in my rib cage like i said he had the two tourniquets uh he did it jake did a great job with with triage and then directing uh directing traffic around me until uh, the guys from fire station 26 could get there and uh, and get me loaded into the ambulance and off to the hospital.
0: And if you had a chance to know him or come to know him after this,
1: I just talked to him this morning.
0: Do me a big favor. And he doesn't know me from Adam. Uh, same with the firefighters, the, the EMTs. Tell them all. I said, thank you for what they do as well, because they're, they're very I, underappreciated as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. They uh, part of my strategy going forward is to get more recognition for firefighters and also the, the trauma staff, uh, trauma surgeons, trauma nurses. Th- those people, they're just people never think about them in the in the and what they go through on a day to day basis with life and death. And, and they are they were. I would not have survived without.
0: Them. And the truth be told, you barely survived. From what I understand from my conversation with our friend Dave and also sure. what I've read, that you were in a medically induced coma and they didn't know for a long time whether you would pull through.
1: Right. So, uh, so they finally get me loaded into the ambulance and, and, and I had, to I had to have the will to live at this point. I, at this point it was, it was still up to me to have the will to live. And I had the will to live. I wanted to, like I said, I set those small goals, uh, set the small goal to get into the ambulance. I made it, I passed out in the ambulance. I was like, all right, I want to be alive when I get to the hospital. So I actually passed out. I woke up as they went to the trauma bay. They pulled me out of the back of the ambulance. I saw my supervisor and then I saw another one of my coworkers. And then after that, I, uh, I passed out. I don't remember anything till I woke up. Um, I do know that they, upon their assessment, the CAT scan, they figured out that one of the bullets, the first bullet, went through my liver, and it was a lot of a uh, lot of bleeding internally. Uh, Dr. Shrockaglu, uh, they they opened me up, and he thought he uh, he thought he got my liver all stitched up. They brought me out, basically. in, in as you know, Jay, whenever when a cop gets shot, people come to the hospital. There were probably uh, two. They told me 200, 250 people in the waiting room. Uh, they brought me out. I coded in front of everybody. They put me back into surgery. Uh, opened me back up again. Uh, during this time, the shooter's friends said that they were going to come to the hospital and finish me off. Which so they put my guys uh, from my agency and Clay County Sheriff's Department in the in the OR uh, to protect the surgeons and the, and the trauma staff and me, which is pretty incredible. You think you you go you go to work with a guy and then you know, three or four hours later you're actually watching his intestines being taken out of his body. It's uh it's it's pretty pretty crazy thing to see.
0: This whole uh, this whole scenario is beyond explanation. And we're talking about the United States of America, we're talking about Jacksonville, Florida, where right. you're severely shot, you're in surgery, you're in a hospital and friends of the shooter, for lack of better words, saying they want to come to the hospital and finish a job. That's correct. That's like made for television movie kind of stuff, but it's reality, yeah. and this happens and i and I hate to say this it's not an isolated incident
1: no it's not it's, it's' it's It's very unfortunate um and then during during surgery number two uh it looks it looks bad. they end up putting nineteen trauma units of blood in me, and it's as fast it's coming out faster than they can put it in so uh the trauma surgeon Dr. Strakalu goes and, and prepares my wife that I'm going to die says that that he doesn't he doesn't know if i can make it if they can get it to stop bleeding or not he tells her he's going to try
0: and on that note we're going to take a short break we are talking with drew stokes he's a federal agent who was ambushed and shot multiple times barely survived simply because he's a cop this is a law enforcement show don't go anywhere we'll be right back So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? What did I do to become a music radio DJ? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years, radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans, too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut schools of broadcasting, training in audio-video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at GoCSB.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from law enforcement today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at GoCSB.com csb.com Again, 800-887-2346 and online at GoCSB.com. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, LawEnforcementToday.com, or download our free app. Also available on our website, that's LawEnforcementToday.com. Back to our conversation with Drew Stokes on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Just a recap for those tuning in recently, Drew's a federal agent. He is in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Went to a grocery store to get some lunch supplies for the next day in uniform. Was ambushed and attacked by an 18-year-old who said he hates police and then opened fire. Drew, you were shot multiple times. When we went to break, you were coded once you're in the hospital they're bringing you back in for a second round of surgery and and the shooters friends are talking about come to the hospital to finish the job this is just so insane it's impossible to even picture in my head uh take us to where what happened next
1: so uh so dr shiraka goes back in after telling my wife amanda that uh that i'm probably not going to make it they can't get the bleeding in my liver to stop uh multiple multiple sutures and from what I was told, uh, he was sewing blindly, sewing the liver up blindly. He couldn't even see the uh the you know, where the bullet had went through. So it gets down to the end and uh they're considering calling my time of death and um Doctor Shirakoglu uh this is where I don't know exactly what happens, but I believe from what I understand, Siracoglu uh he, he says I just need a little bit more time and uh that I as far as I'm concerned, the hands of God came down and, you know, guided his hands to the right place, and he was able to he was able to find the bleeder and he tied it off. And uh, I was nowhere near out of the as we know now I was nowhere near out of the woods, uh, but it turned out to be the move that saved my life.
0: And everybody else was ready to give up, and he he said, "I'm going to give it one more shot."
1: Yeah, I w- so I transferred my will to live to Doctor Shrockyglue, and uh, when I passed out and 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 he uh, he gave me life.
0: When it comes to the emergency trauma teams, our our doctors, our surgeons, our nurses, they are so undervalued, and people really don't have a a concept of what they do, and I'm sitting here because I have several shootings of officers I've known that we didn't think they'd make it and they survived because of these people and their commitment and their talent level and their their God-given talent and their inspiration, and some of them will tell you, they don't know where it comes from.
1: Right. And uh, this is uh, uh, what I told the trauma staff uh, when I got a chance to speak to them publicly was that I want to thank them for the path that they chose. They chose such a difficult journey and they did it willingly. Uh, You know, these people, they 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 go to school their entire 20s and early 30s, times when the rest of us are out partying and having a good time or starting a family. And they're in books and they're working, you know, 36, 48 hour shifts and they are doing it so they can save lives. And and, and uh, you know in the in all the medical profession the, you know the nurses the doctors uh, you know like I said the trauma nurses trauma docs they're they're a special breed and they stayed with me the entire way they were they we've created a a huge bond between my family and the folks at the Orange Park Medical Center it's 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 been unbelievable the 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 bond that we have created
0: and they're used to a lot of people dying no matter what they're no matter how dedicated and how persistent their efforts uh, they're not always successful so people like you are an exception aren't you
1: No there's no doubt about it and I, I try to go by and see those folks anytime that I can I, I swing by the hospital and I just try to smile and I, you know I'll go into the trauma ICU or uh, you know if I can find one of the docs you know that worked on me uh, through the through my time in the hospital, I just come up, and give them a big hug, and just because I want them to see my recovery, and I want them to see the the fruit of their of their hard labor, and how much they how much they mean to me. That's the only thing I I can do is continually show up and and do anything that they you know anything that they want me to do. If they want me to talk to another patient or uh, anything I can do volunteer wise around the hospital, all they have to do is ask me, and I'll be there. It's uh it's the least I can do.
0: I say this every now and then. I don't say it very often because people get a little weird if you ever doubt whether miracles really do happen drew is a perfect example that they do absolutely and it's it's the hands of people that inspired. my personal belief inspired by god that they can't do it by themselves and the really really good ones when you talk to them will tell you i get a lot of help and they can't always tell you where it comes from
1: yeah uh, I, I believe you, Jay. And uh, like I said, all those people that were, you know, all those people that were put in my path that day were put there for a reason, and they were there uh, specifically to make sure that I I got more days on Earth.
0: How extensive were your injuries? You said you were shot. Was it seven times?
1: I was shot five times. Uh, two were in and out. So the uh, the first bullet it went through my ribs, uh, went through my liver, and then stopped in my thoracic spine. Uh, so it's two millimeters from my T12 vertebrae. Uh, the second one went through my right buttocks. Uh, it went through my rectum internally and stopped inside my left hip, so it's in between my uh, my pelvis bone and my bladder. Uh, I ended up on a colostomy bag for five months on that one, so it could so my so my rectum could heal. Uh, the third one, uh, it, it hit the top of it went in my leg, it hit the pelvis, and then uh, kind of slid inward a little bit. And uh, the, so the, the first three bullets are still in my body. Uh, the fourth one was was in and out, and the fifth one's in and out, and and I've had no problems with uh, the fourth and fifth bullets, but the the other ones uh, are they're uh, the two in my in my pelvis especially they're a significant amount of daily pain. Um, I had a I had eleven abdominal surgeries, so I have a large scar that that bisects me from the bottom of my rib cage to the top of my belt line, and it's uh, it's pretty nasty. Uh, what I tell people is I look like I got in a fight with Edward Scissorhands.
0: I'm glad you haven't lost your sense of
1: humor. <laughs> maybe that's the only thing
0: that really helps sometimes, because it's so dark and so desperate the situation you're in. Uh, maybe right. that, maybe dark. And you know what? Every cop I know has a, a great sense of dark humor.
1: Right. And uh, and, and my mom uh, said this, and, and I didn't think of it till last year when uh, when the anniversary of the shooting uh, happened, and she said, you know, during this whole thing, you never complained. You never said, "Why me." It was uh, it was from the second that they they brought you out of your out of sedation uh, it was it was how can I get better I just want to get better never never blamed anyone never did anything just the only thing I want to do was recover
0: and that makes me feel bad to be honest because sometimes it's so easy to fall into trap of I've got these permanent line of duty injuries and uh, why me Woe what was me uh, right. the poor me poor me thing and it can be contagious and get further and further in this dark hole when we hear people like you, and And you're not the first man or woman that we've had on a law enforcement Today show that's that has by all reality by all measures should have died or could have died that survived, and then they're telling us how much they enjoy their life, and I'm like, dude, I feel horrible
1: I feel guilty <laughs> well, I, for for complaining about
0: old man stuff
1: yeah well i uh you know jazz given a second chance at life, and uh, I'm not going to let a single second pass me by that I'm not going to enjoy you know the the first thing I wanted to do was was try to get out of bed uh, obviously I couldn't whenever I came out because I was uh I just couldn't move any I couldn't move any part of my body uh it was just that atrophied so much but I was determined to I was determined to recover and I was determined the first thing I really wanted to do was get off pain medicine so I was actually I got out of the hospital and rehab on October 31st 35 days after the shooting and uh, i was off i was on only ibuprofen about probably mid november somewhere because i just wanted to i wanted to get better and it and it hurt and i was in a lot of pain but i knew that it was going to take getting through the pain uh to get to the other side i knew masking it with medicine or narcotics or anything like that whatever because they would have prescribed me whatever i wanted but i specifically said no uh because you know I, I it was it was going to hurt i knew it was going to hurt it was it was a bad deal i got a bad draw but I still needed to, it was I needed to recover. Uh, I didn't need to sit around and feel sorry for myself.
0: And by the way, I'm glad you made that decision as well. We've had guests on the show that have had multiple orthopedic surgeries were prescribed, the heavy-duty right. painkiller opiates, and that created another monster that none of them were prepared for. And that, in and of itself, uh, can kill, and it's killed many, many <clears throat> people. So people like you that survive these horrible, horrible assaults, have lifelong catastrophic injuries can be taken out by becoming addicted to opiates and uh, people love to say they made a choice well last time i checked only thing you chose to do that day was go grocery shopping
1: yeah that's that's correct uh that's absolutely correct jay that's the only thing i did was go grocery shopping uh but and also made a choice not to you know not to take uh you know not to take the pills The last time I was prescribed pills, so I had my my ileostomy reversal on February 23rd of of 2018, Uh, and I was on, they had me on pain medicine, and and I was off probably mid-March is when I was off pain medicine, and I haven't taken anything, I haven't even taken an ibuprofen since then. And that's
0: probably part of the reason why you're here to talk about it. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today Show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website lawenforcementtoday.com or download our free app also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society t-shirts from honor-line.com. These unique tombstone-themed T-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code L-E-T at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chess Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Use promo code L-E-T to save 10%. That's promo code L-E-T at honor-line.com. I'm John J. Wiley joined on the phone by Drew Stokes. Drew is a law enforcement for a federal agency and he was ambushed and shot multiple times simply because he's a cop. In, in Jacksonville, Florida, by the grace of God, survived and is here to tell your story. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful you've joined us, Drew. It's very much appreciated.
1: Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And one of these days, I'm going to get up to Jacksonville, visit friends, and we're going to go have a bite to eat and uh, share a cup of tea and uh, and talk some more. And that invitation goes to your wife as well. I read Sounds somewhere amazing. about the incident that. Your wife became aware before she was even really officially notified that you'd been shot. Tell us about that.
1: Right. So uh, I had called Amanda and told her that I was going to, uh, I was just stopping by the store to see if we need anything for the house. And she said no. So uh, I go go into Publix, you know, I get shot. So when the officer down call goes off, uh, obviously all the TV stations are listening to the police radios all the time. So when the officer down call goes out, it obviously gets broadcast on the local, you know, to all the cars or however they do it. You know, the media uh, puts out, uh, you know, federal agents shot outside the Oak Leaf Publix. Well, the uh, my neighborhood, somebody reposted that on a Facebook page right away. And she was at her job. So she gets a notification on her phone. Well, she immediately knows that it's me. Uh, and, and so she starts trying to call. So I'm laying on the ground, and I think this is probably before Jake and those guys get there. uh, And I had an an Apple Watch on, and I look, and then I see it coming up. It's, you know, her name just keeps popping up, popping up on the inside of my, on my watch. I'm like, I can't, I can't answer that because I didn't want her to hear me in the, in the state that I was in. Because I was in, I was screaming, yelling. I was, I was really mad, and I did not want her to hear that. I, I figured at the time she probably knew what had happened, uh, but I wasn't going to, uh, I wasn't going to answer the phone, and she's still a little mad at me for that. Uh, it, there was just no reason for her to hear it, and then a, another co-worker called me at the same time, uh, but I didn't answer any phone calls, because uh, I just, at that point, it was up to me, I had to live, and it was It was just, I was at a very primal state at that point, of just that's trying to That's a great word.
0: Ride. That's. It's a great word, and it's the only word I've come up with, that can accurately describe, to any degree, the reaction i had when people tried to kill me and i've been i was very fortunate in my career in my incidents I'd, i was never hit but it, it's the rage that comes out of me is is indescribable and the only word i can come up with is primal that it's a right. very primitive thing it's very instinctual from way way back and maybe the, the the caveman days i don't know where it comes from but it's not pretty and i wouldn't want my wife to hear it or see it either
1: no uh, no she didn't need to hear or see that it was uh Like I said, it it was, it was, I absolutely believe you, Jay. I was, I was back in the caveman days.
0: I'm, I'm kind of amazed. No, flat out, I'll change that. I'm very amazed that you had the presence of mind. You're laying there, you're shot. You said earlier you saw a river of blood next to you. You knew this was a bad situation. And your phone is ringing and you're looking at it and making a conscious decision that I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer the phone call.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you could have. I mean, because the phone call could have went a lot of ways, you know, if, if, if it would have been her there and I'd heard her crying and it may have changed my mindset. I, I, I don't know. But I know at that point that I had the will to live and I, I had the will to live to, to talk to her when I was well. I, I didn't want that to be, you know, the, the last, you know, last thing she ever heard was my voice screaming and, and crying in pain because she didn't need to hear that. There was no reason for her to hear that. Uh, Like I said, she tells it a much different way, but uh, she's, like I said, I think she would still come to the door and knock me out now.
0: (laughs) Well, please tell your Uh, wife that I I want to offer to her uh, sometime futures come on and tell her story from her perspective, because that's, that's a part of what law enforcement officers' families go through, that they never really get the opportunity to tell their story, and the other thing was... It's okay that she got angry. I, I, I recall one of the last shootings I was ever in, in, in that I called my wife because I knew it would be late and I knew she'd see it in the news and let her know I was okay. And she was furious. Uh, I, I, that primal rage again. And now right. I understand it. I, when I get really fearful, I get very angry. And maybe that's where that primal rage comes from. So for her to get very angry, I understand it's a fear-based reaction.
1: Right, yeah, and that's all it is. you know she just you know, like with your wife, she just want to know that you were okay, you know and and I can understand that, I'm sure uh that's what a lot of us in law enforcement you know, we go out, we do these things, and you know there's breaking news of an officer hurt somewhere, and then you know, obviously the spouses, uh whether they be husbands or wives, they want to know that their spouse is okay, but oftentimes, when we're right there at the scene we're dealing with the problem at hand, we don't have time to make that phone call. And that That's just something to wear, especially you know if your if your spouse is not in law enforcement or or, or any, any type of uh uh service like that right there it might it's hard to convey that to them gently, which i'm very very bad at
0: yeah i'm not very good at it either uh and <laughs> i don't I don't want to become good at it either to be honest with you no neither do i so you're you're laying there you were in the hospital and rehab for a little over a month and then you came home
1: right. So I came home. Um, I ended up going back in the ICU for two days. They found a fissure, what they call a fissure, in my intestines where something happened. One of my intestines ripped, uh, so I had to go without food and drink and everything for two weeks during football season, which was really, really, really hard. Uh, and then, um, then you know, I, I kept going to wound care, and actually, I started going back to my CrossFit gym. So I started in December. I started going back to CrossFit. Now, I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was just doing squats and, and throwing a ball against the wall and, and just doing walking when the classes were running. But it was, uh, I, I had to get back to that physical fitness aspect of where I had to keep my body moving. And I wanted to I wanted to be back part of that, that CrossFit experience where I had all these people around me, you know, cheering me on. Come on, let's do this, do one more squat, do one more ball slam or whatever. And and it was just they, the the folks at Blackfin CrossFit were incredible and in, in helping me recover. Uh and then the folks at the Orange Park Medical Center, uh inpatient and outpatient rehab are still they're they're just unbelievably kind people. I, I'm still in uh outpatient rehab today.
0: By the way, the the whole exercise thing, all the experts tell me that's one of the best things we can do to, for our mental health in addition to our physical health. So I'm sure that helped you recover mentally and emotionally to some degree as well.
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, I've been a CrossFitter for six years uh, up until the shooting, and and the Dr. Shrockaloo said that absolutely was a key to my survival. Uh, not only because of, I'm a big guy and I'm strong. But because my cardio, I was in such good cardio shape that my heart was able to take the loss of blood, and he said that, that was a that was a huge contributing factor to my survival. And and I went, like I said, I went back in December of uh, of seventeen, and I've been going back ever since, and I'm slowly getting back. I'll never be a hundred percent of where I was, just because my abdomen is just is just trashed. But, uh, but, but I'll I'll, get back to, I'll probably get back to 80% of what my old 100% was. Well, that's, that's, pretty,
0: that's pretty darn good. One of the last things I want to cover <laughs> before we leave, this is something that I was taught early on from the police academy through every in-service. Uh, and, and people who aren't in law enforcement won't get it, but we're explaining this. One of the things that we're always told is no matter how bad the situation, you got to stay in the fight. And that's obviously what you did ah, mentally cool. that you were not going to give up.
1: Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely true. I was never going to give up. There was and stay in the fight, John. That's exactly right. That's what we teach. Uh, that's what I would tell any, especially young cop listening uh, that may find yourself in a jam one day. You, know, you can't give up. You've got to have the will to live. That's what I call it: it's the will to live. The formula that I use is positive mental attitude plus ninety eight point six PMA plus ninety eight point six equals life. Uh, you've got to have that positive mental attitude. I guarantee you. If I thought I was going to die that day in a parking lot, that's exactly what I would have done. But I wasn't. I wasn't willing to let that happen. Uh, that's why I set these small goals, and I had the will to live, and I had to. And I the achievable goals. Once I achieved them, I went on to the next one, and kept my mind occupied with that rather than I may never see my wife again. So I, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't let that cloud my thoughts.
0: This is great advice for everybody too. I, I hear cancer patients talk about it that that. No matter what, they were going to stay in the fight. They refused to give in. They refused to die. That's what they credit a lot of that from, their survival from. And a lot, I believe, comes from a divine uh, inspiration of some sort. Drew Stokes, thanks so very much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Man, your story, you're telling your story, is very much appreciated. And I can't wait to meet thanks, you. you.
1: Thanks, you. Same here. We
0: feature police officers, law enforcement officers, active, retired spouses family members and supporters talking about their experiences from their point of view if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a great guest we'd love to hear from and we'd accommodate them from anywhere it doesn't matter where they are yeah. so just contact us the easiest way is to got to our website law enforcement i'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the law enforcement today show We've Got another great guest in your way next week don't miss it Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.